Do you like free stuff? I do. BlueprintMCAT.com. Go sign up for a free account. Get access to Blueprint MCAT's Diagnostic, Blueprint MCAT's Full Length One, Blueprint MCAT's amazing brand new space repetition platform with over 1,600 flashcards already made for you, as well as their amazing study planner tool. Schedule out the content so you know if you are on track to take the MCAT when you need to. Again, that's blueprintmcat.com for all of those free goodies. The MCAT Podcast, session number 228. A collaboration between the medical school headquarters and Blueprint MCAT. The MCAT podcast is free MCAT prep to help you understand the MCAT, teach you how to break down questions, and give you the skills and confidence to get the score you want on your MCAT test day. Learn more about Blueprint MCAT at blueprintprep.com slash MCAT. Welcome to the MCAT podcast. My name is Dr. Ryan Gray, your host here every week. As always, I'm joined by an amazing member of the Blueprint MCAT team, specifically the live online instructor crew. Last week, we introduced Paul, and this week, we're jumping into the final section of Full Length One. I can't believe it. We're coming to a close. It's been months and months and months going through Full Length One of Blueprint MCAT's Full Length Exams. I hope that these podcast episodes really stand the test of time because taking full length one, which you get for free at blueprintmcat.com is really the one of the first steps to take to make sure that you're prepared to take the MCAT. And now you have us breaking down every single question, not only here on the podcast, but remember we record the videos as well. So you can watch, uh, you can read along with the passage. You can see what the answers look like. Look at all the, the graphs and images and anything else and really hear the breakdown of the questions. The best feedback that I get is students love how I think through the questions, how I think through each of the answers. I don't prepare at all for these questions. I am going into these completely blind and obviously many years removed from learning this material. And you can see that a lot of the time I can get to the right answer or close to the right answer without the knowledge for the most part by just reading the passage and thinking through. Now, obviously I'm not in a time crunch like you'll be, but that should give you some confidence that you don't have to know everything to do well in the MCAT. So let's go ahead and jump in to full length one, psych Soch. Passage one. And again, you can sign up for a free account over blueprintmcat.com and get all of these goodies for free. Paul back for another MCAT podcast. Last week we learned all about who you are uh, and your your take on the MCAT with this just completely, completely radical idea that that <laughs> students should take time off in their MCAT prep. Uh, but this week we're going to jump into or continue our breakdown of full length one from Blueprint MCAT, which everyone gets for free by signing up for a free MCAT account over at blueprintmcat.com. Psychosoch, last section of the day. Everyone's tired at this point, right? They've been sitting there for hours having their minimal breaks and a little bit of lunch that they cram down. What, what, 
advice do you have for someone coming into this last section to make sure that they're finishing on a high note? Uh, my biggest advice would be stick with your original game plan, which you've practiced. Uh, this is coming from uh, some uh, my painful uh, experience of my own MCAT. Uh, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. I finished up the previous section. I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw my game plan out the window. I'm not going to go take my break, <laughs> do my normal stretches. I'm just going to power through this psych so section. Like I got it. Like I've been doing great on, on the practice and, uh, powered through it, did it. I got, I got my MCAT score. Um, still a good score, but my psych so had dropped significantly from what it had been on average leading up. And I just looked at myself and in the mirror, I was like, man, <laughs> I should have went to the bathroom, splashed the water on my face, got a drink. Like I always do. Like, what was I thinking? Uh, <laughs> so it's going to be tempting uh, just to power through this last section and get it done with. Um, but just stick with your game plan, whatever that game plan is that you established uh, during your practice. I'm scared to know if, if, if you're a blueprint, a live online instructor, I know what the threshold is to to be one of those instructors. Like your score would have been astronomical if you wouldn't have given up those psych social points. But that's that's pretty awesome. All that all that hard work paying off. Uh, except when you you threw it all out the window on psych social. That's okay. <laughs> you're still here. Lesson learned. Uh, you're you're giving it's it's a good lesson learned and hopefully a lesson that other students can hopefully learn from without making their own mistake. Um, in, in general, when you're transitioning from section to section, not necessarily, oh, this is the last section of the day, but just section to section, what kind of routine do you have to, to reset yourself, if anything? So definitely get up. Uh, I would go to the bathroom, even if I didn't need to go to the bathroom, just go to the bathroom, get a drink of water. And then just kind of like stretch out, do some nice stretches, uh, just kind of calm myself down, but mentally try to just dump everything I just did from the previous section. Uh, because uh, I do go about the different sections uh, with some different strategies. And I don't want to carry over my thinking from like bio biochem into psych -soch. And so I try to just brain dump info dump that whole previous experience, maybe at a passage that just was terrible. So get that out of my head. Uh, don't take that forward into the new exam. Uh, then just go back, sit down and, and start and try to try to kind of blank slate the new section. Nice. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into, to this new section. So we have, um, Psychos full length one from Blueprint MCAT, and we start off here with passage one. So I'm I'm excited to to hear your strategy as you work through these passages. Definitely, and I will kind of preface this: I am a big uh, paragraph by paragraph kind of pausing as I go, um, and then just kind of remembering those key takeaways. Uh, I like to kind of highlight those key takeaways. Uh, some people may choose a note take, but I will kind of pause and just kind of walk you through my thoughts um, as we go along. Um, but with this passage one, let's go ahead and get going. So treatment of pain in emergency departments at hospitals is somewhat subjective, with physicians making determinations of whether or not to administer analgesics based on a number of criteria. One set of criteria pertains to physician interpersonal factors, including warmth, with patient, interaction style, 
and questioning behavior and how these factors influence patient response, including patient communication and self-advocacy. So I read that and I kind of think to myself, like, what is the point? Like, what, what, why, is, why is this paragraph here? And it's just kind of introducing me to this idea that we're talking about administering pain meds and like, why do physicians choose or choose not to administer that to their patients? Uh, and it seems like it's going to be focusing on that re uh, relationship between individuals, that interpersonal um, interaction between the physician and their patients. And so I personally would probably highlight, hey, we're administering analgesics uh, based on a number of criteria. And then that physician interpersonal factors. So I'm looking more at those interpersonal um, relations with what are we, what are we going to maybe be looking at for the rest of this paragraph or passage, I should say. Uh, I don't necessarily go any deeper than that. If I need more information on those different factors, now my highlighting can tell me where to find it. Maybe like question four is going to ask me about those. Um, but if I, I if I highlight too much personally. I lose my place when I try to go back to the text. Yeah. So that's all I do for that first paragraph. Okay. And then paragraph number two, a characteristic found to influence the administration of pain medication has been race with previous research findings indicating that Caucasian patients were twice as likely as Hispanic patients to receive pain medications for bone fractures when controlling for multiple patient variables. However, other research findings have been equivocal about the relationship between patient race and pain medication administration, with differences in regional location and institutional setting likely affecting that relationship. Hmm. Okay. Now, this paragraph kind of has red flags for possible MCAT questions. Mm. Um, I see research findings and whenever i see research findings or really anything research design related i want to try to capture that uh in my highlighting so i would note that we have some research findings and that that caucasian patients are twice as likely as hispanic patients to receive pain meds but then we have some other research findings that seem to contradict that and so not only is it another set of research findings whenever i see like a compare contrast or a contradiction um, in my mind, that screams possible MCAT question later down the line. Uh, so we have these others that, hey, it's been equivocal between race and pain med. It may be regional location and setting uh, that are impacting that relationship. And so uh, this highlighting on the screen is great. Uh, yeah, possibly that regional location and institutional setting, kind of depending on your personal highlighting style. Um, but those are the Big things I want to get from this. If I need more details or a reminder, I'll just come back to that. And then paragraph number three, to investigate how patient race may affect pain medication dispersal, researchers examined the records of patients seen for bone fractures at several hospitals, recording the type of medication prescribed and the race of the patient. Researchers first conducted a chi-square analysis. This was done to examine the frequency of analgesic administration to African-Americans and Caucasians with results presented in the following table. And then we're given data with a level set to 0.05 for all experiments, chi-squared equals 1.2, our p-value equals 0.12. And then it looks like we have a table to follow. 
I pause before I jump to the table though and, and just kind of recap this paragraph. Uh, and I just highlight really to investigate because this is going to clue me in that if I need more info on kind of the method or what they actually did in this research, this is the paragraph where I'm going to, to find it. But it looks primarily like a lot of talk about stats. I, I kind of remember these tests from stats, this, this chi-square analysis. And I know you have to do that to get a p-value. Um, I'm not going to worry too much about that. I, I'm hoping the MCAT's not just going to ask me a random question on how to do statistical analysis. But I do note that I am given a p-value at the end of this paragraph. And so I would want to highlight p equals 0 0.12. Um, and in general, for the MCAT, uh, a p-value of 0 0.05 um, or under that is statistically significant. And so we have a p-value of 0 0.12. So the difference between these groups, this African-American and Caucasian um, administration, that's not going to be significant. So I know that even before I go into the table. And then we do have this nice table, table one given to us. And I kind of have like a four-step approach for any figure. And I always tell myself at the beginning, don't deep dive. I don't need to be an expert on this table because they may not even ask a question about it. So first reading, I read the caption, table one, percent of patients receiving analgesics by race. And then it looks like it's broken down by race, African-American, Caucasian, and then percent receiving analgesics, 98% for African-American, 99% for Caucasian. So I always read the caption first, and then I try to determine like the, the axes in this place, those bolded columns, what's being presented. Uh, if there's any unit, here we're just giving percentages. And then I back up and just kind of sum it up in my own head. With, I don't really deep dive any further than that on this first read through. So I would tell myself, well, these percents are pretty dang close. And this p-value is 0.12. So statistically, there's not a difference um, in the percent receiving analgesics between African-Americans and Caucasians. And that's what I keep in my head. And then I move on to the final paragraph. So researchers also examined the type of analgesic prescribed. They conducted a logistic regression analysis on opioid prescription by patient race and similarity of patient and provider race with the odds ratio presented in the following table, parentheses, and with the reference group presented in the parentheses. So kind of a dense stats paragraph again. Um, I would just wanna note we're talking about opioid prescription. And we're really looking at this uh, race and similarity of patient and provider race. And we're going to be talking in these odds ratios. And that may remind, or that does remind myself that we're looking for that odds ratio greater than one. Um, if, they, if the odds ratio is at one, they're not really going to be related or have that uh, impact on each other. And then we have our final table. Table two, the caption, just odds ratio of opioid prescription by patient race and patient provider race. I look at my different categories. I have uh, category analyzed, my odds ratio, and then the 95% confidence interval. And this table can be a little scary. It's, it's a lot of data. Um, so I see Caucasian, 
parentheses, African-American. Um, and at first, I'm not really sure why African-American is in parentheses. But then I do, whenever I'm in doubt, I go back to the previous paragraph or any information on uh, the figure and kind of refresh myself. And I see that last sentence of the final paragraph with the reference group presented in the parentheses. Okay, so we're looking at Caucasians and re referencing that to African-American. And we have our odds ratio of 1.7, a confidence interval that does not include one. So it looks like we still have um, these kind of this association. So essentially what that is meaning to me is that the odds of being prescribed an opioid are 1.7 times greater for Caucasians than African-Americans. And then I look at that same patient slash provider race and then parentheses different. So comparing the groups that have the same race to a patient and provider that have a different race. And it looks like an odds ratio of 2.55 and that 95% confidence, confidence interval still doesn't include one. So it's still gonna be a, a real um, kind of statistical set of data that I can interpret. And I tell myself 2.55, okay, so the odds of being prescribed an opioid are 2.55 times higher if the patient and provider race is the same versus if it was different. So I tell my big story to myself, Caucasians more likely to have the opioids prescribed, but it's a lot more likely uh, to have opioids prescribed if you are the same race patient as the provider, um, what, no matter what that race is. So both of those have increased likelihood, but 2.55 is pretty big. Mm. And that's all I tell myself on that. If I need more details, I can come back later when I go through these questions. Yeah, th this last table just throws me for a loop. It's just the way that it's all worded, reference group, and it, like it took me a second to figure out what the heck this was talking about. <laughs> so that's, mm -hmm. that, that is definitely a scary table to look at. Yeah, I feel like psychosocial is kind of where they throw those random things, like oh, odds ratio, or they. I feel like they really like testing like different ways to present data mm -hmm. uh, in the psychosocial section. Yeah. All right. Question one, the methodology employed in this study can best be described as a, a retrospective chart study or chart review, B, a prospective chart review, C, an embedded field study, or D, a longitudinal study. So it seems like this one's pretty straightforward. It's, this is a retrospective going back in time, looking at the charts and Seeing what happened um, compared to prospective, I don't know the exact definition of what that is, but it's more forward looking, it seems like. An embedded field study, right? No one's being embedded in these <laughs> healthcare teams and it's like an embedded reporter in the, the war or whatever. Uh, and then longitudinal study, obviously looking at data over time uh, from, from like this point forward or whatever. Uh, so this is definitely a retrospective looking at what has already happened. Definitely. And I, I, I would go through those answers the same way. Like, I don't really necessarily know what that would look like in practice, but I know it's not embedded. It's not over time. Like, oh, retrospective. Yeah, that makes the most sense. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, one for one. Let's let's keep this going. All right. In the research cited, if it was found that Hispanic patients were prescribed less pain medication than Caucasian patients due to Hispanic patients having disproportionately less insurance than Caucasian patients, then insurance coverage would be considered. And we have A, a moderating variable, B, a mediating variable, C, a confounding variable, D, both an independent and dependent variable. <laughs> so a little longer of a question stem on this one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it really comes down to, to uh, really analyzing all of the data and, and making sure that you're, you understand how to account for everything, all these little things uh, that happen, right? Is, is the time of day that a, a patient came in, what type of variable is that? And well, like, oh, and I don't remember these variables at all, moderating, mediating, confounding. Confounding seems like a very good answer. It's like, it's just, it confounding to me just is like, it muddles things up. I'm like, oh, but like, we want it. We want to make sure that it's really race. Like we want, we want to prove that doctors are racist and and they're they're not prescribing medications appropriately. And this this is just some confounding variable that muddles things up, and we're just going to ignore it or whatever. So I, I just like my eyes go to that one. I'm like, yeah, that sounds right. And then I would just move on because I don't remember the variables. Yeah. So I I have this is kind of an example of my like mile wide inch deep. And I think psych soch is where it definitely shines through. I just know these kind of three variables moderating. I think, Oh, that affects like the strength of the relationship. And I just have in my mind, the example of like, Oh, caffeine gives you energy. If you I eat a grapefruit, have grapefruit juice with coffee, you get more energy because it like makes it stronger. And that's how I remember moderating mediating. ME, I think that's like a mechanism. So oftentimes it's mechanisms or it explains the relationship between the two variables. Uh, and then confounding, I honestly think about that as just another independent variable um, that's kind of thrown into the mix. Uh, ideally, we could control for it, but it's like an extra independent variable. Uh, it's going to impact that dependent. And so looking through these, I immediately get rid of D because that's ridiculous. <laughs> Both an independent and dependent variable. Like yep. get get out of here. You're not going to have that in the same study. Yep. Uh, and then looking at that question stem, uh, this is actually going to be a mediating variable uh, because this is explaining why. So it's explaining that relationship. So it's, it's not a mechanism in a way that we would think maybe for bio biochem, uh, but it is explaining that relationship. Um, of why those Hispanic patients were prescribed less pain medication than Caucasian patients. Uh, and this question stems as due to due Hispanic to. patients yeah. having that less insurance. So that kind of due to is kind of a key word that's like, oh, this is explaining it. This is going to be a mediating variable. And I'm not an expert on variables, but I know those things and I could kind of clue into that due to uh, and I may not feel super confident in it, um, but I feel confident enough to, to say, okay, I, I'm pretty sure this is going to be a mediating variable. Um, and it actually, it turns out to be the correct answer with that. So the MCAT is most definitely a reading comprehension test, right? And, and those two words in this whole question stem kind of 
answer the question for you. The, the same question stem could be here in the research cited if it was found that Hispanic patients were prescribed less pain medication uh, than Caucasian patients, and it was found that Hispanic patients had less insurance, right? Now it's not a mediating variable, it's potentially something else. Definitely. Uh, and I think when you first start experiencing this, it's it's extremely frustrating uh, prepping for the MCAT. Because uh, like, wait, that's dumb. I know, I know the content is just hinging on this one word, but I kind of look at it as an opportunity. Uh, so now like, maybe I don't need to be as much of an expert on the content if I can just make sure I read a little closer and I can pick out those words, yeah. I can actually get by with knowing less if I figure out kind of that testing method and how they work those questions. So yeah. it can be frustrating, but it can also be an opportunity to, to get things right where you don't necessarily know all the content to answer it without that little catch. How, how much, so, so looking at this, I think a lot of students would look at this question and go, this is exactly why we say the MCAT is trying to trick you because the whole passage seems like it's set up to talk about race. Like it's, it's because of racism or just not necessarily racism, but there, there's obviously something underlying, whether it's implicit bias, which is obviously a hot topic. Um, and, and then there's this little twist where the question really has nothing to do with the passage. The question is specifically saying, hey, ignore everything we've already told you. We're now telling you it's due to insurance. How is that not a trick question? I think this is um, this is why I kind of like to, between sections, kind of reset mentally. Uh, because I, I feel like per- this is just personal experience. I have no data to back it up. But this happens more so in the psych soch where you kind of have these pseudo discretes. Um, and so you may have noticed reading through the passage, I, I didn't necessarily focus too much on each paragraph. I kind of noted the big points and the big things. And I highlighted things so I could go back to the passage if needed. I didn't necessarily read to really understand the passage. Um, I just read to kind of get a roadmap for that passage. And then... I personally, from my own experience, think like, okay, psych soch, they're going to hit me with, I mean, there's a million concepts they're trying to test me on. And so they may have to just have a lot of questions that aren't related to the passage so they can test me on X, Y, Z. And so it is like a lesson you kind of have to learn. You you have to be quote unquote tricked uh, a few times. Uh, But I think if you're, after you are tricked and you're reviewing your your materials. Uh, if you are making kind of notes, I, I kept a lessons learned journal um, about what happened to me. You'll see like over time, oh, I could have answered that without the passage information. Um, and I personally saw that that was happening a lot in psych So I kind of changed how I go about psych passages um, where it's almost like, oh, cool. Here's a little bit of information about something. Um, and then here's some questions. Uh, they may or may not be related uh, to each other, um, up in the air, depending on the question. <laughs> We're going to torture you with all this reading and then it's not going to be useful at all. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> awesome. All right. So question two, mediating variable, that mechanism, why it happened. Question three, what could a possible explanation for the results found in 
wait, what could be a possible explanation for the results found in the study? A, there were more Caucasian than African-American doctors. B, opioids are not analgesics. C, there were more Caucasian than African-American patients. Or D, there's a disproportionately higher percentage of Caucasian doctors matched with Caucasian patients than African-American doctors matched with African-American patients. Ooh, interesting. All right, so the results are, I think if we look at it, um, the the table one doesn't really tell us anything, right? So it's not statistically significant, 98% versus 99%. I'm gonna ignore that one. The bigger one we saw, um, still not huge, um, differences here, but the Caucasian patient versus the African American patient getting uh, analgesics, opioids, uh, specific opioids here, um, one point seven times, and then same patient provider race, uh, two point five five percent higher than if it was a different race. So. Oh, this is hard. So let's look at answer choice A. There were more Caucasian than African-American doctors, right? We know that to be true. And so the question is, well, I know that to be true. I don't know if every, everyone knows that to be true. But yes, there, there are more Caucasian uh, doctors than African-American doctors. Um, but would that... Uh, say that Caucasians would be getting more, oh man, I don't know. So <laughs> I'm gonna ignore that one right now. Opioids are not analgesics. Um, okay, I'm gonna ignore that one. I don't think that has anything to do with anything. Uh, C, there were more Caucasian than African-American patients. Um, so, Again, obviously there are more Caucasians in this country, so that would seem obvious, but this isn't based on like volume of how many Caucasians, how many African-Americans. So I'm not sure why that would matter. That's So A and B are very similar in terms of potentially explanations, and maybe that would cancel them out. as That, that can't be the answer because both of them are right. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with some weird logic there. Uh, and then D, there's a disproportionately higher percentage of Caucasian doctors matched with Caucasian patients than African-American doctors matched with African-American patients. And again, yes, that's true, but I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't know. Because I don't think these numbers are based on total numbers. It's just based on what we did see. So I, I'm completely lost. I think A, C, and D are basically all the same, which leaves me with B, which I don't, I don't know. <laughs> so answer choice B, uh, opiates are not analgesics. Um, that would be incorrect in this, <laughs> for this question. <laughs> uh, and even if you weren't really sure about that, uh, I believe uh, it's paragraph, um, I think the second to last paragraph where they they talk about the administration of analgesics, yeah, uh, or yeah, that last one it looks like, yeah. Um, that's I, that's why B automatically is wrong, but I'm like, but A, A C, and D are, are are all the same to me, so I'm gonna go with the the, the worst answer. 
I hate the MCAT. And yeah, so you you're you were like one logical step away from like just logicking through this, like not necessarily knowing, but just powering with logic. Uh, and I think recognizing that A and C are really the same. Um, they're looking at that total volume, and yeah, a good study should be able to like account for or adjust for differences in numbers. And and we are in that top table looking at percent receiving. So it looks like they're aware of that. Um, so A and C would like not be true because they're they're too similar. If A would be correct, C would almost have to be correct, and we can't have two right answers. Um, D is actually going to be the correct answer because um, we are talking about disproportionately higher percentage. And so we're not looking at that total number. Um, and so D is taking into account percentage differences. And if we kind of think through that, it makes sense with those odd ratios given to us in table two. And so looks like Caucasians are more likely to get opioids prescribed. Also, it looks like same patient provider race, more likely to get opioids prescribed than if you were a different uh, patient race, uh, provider race. And so D actually kind of combines A and C and puts it with percentages as well. So yes, there are more white physicians uh, and or Caucasian physicians and Caucasian patients. And so they would make sense that they're more likely to have that same patient, same provider kind of matchup. And when that matchup occurs, you're 2.55 times more likely to receive opioids than if you had a patient and a provider with different races. And so that could possibly explain why Caucasians have 1.7 times uh, the chance of being prescribed opioids compared to African-American because A and C do happen in the US, there are more Caucasian than African American doctors, and there are more Caucasians than African American patients. So it's more likely that they line up and get that same patient provider race, um, which does have a pretty good odds ratio of increasing your chance of receiving opioids. But even if you didn't catch that, it's the only one that has that percentage brought in, uh, instead of just looking at pure like volume, pure number as uh, A and C do. Yeah. I still don't understand it because let's let's say that there were a thousand Caucasian doctors matched with Caucasian patients and only a hundred African American doctors matched with a uh, hundred African American patients. If a hundred percent of the Caucasian doctors gave a hundred percent of the Caucasian patients opioids, and the same was true for African American doctors and patients, then the odds ratio would would be one, and it doesn't matter that a higher or disproportionately higher percentage of Caucasian doctors are matched with Caucasian patients. So that that's what I'm I'm struggling with understanding why that is true because in my mind, and and that's why I think A, C, and D to me are the same because it's it's based on total volume, which doesn't matter because I'm I'm interested in what happened in those limited numbers. Mm-hmm. So take that 1,000 Caucasian patients and 1,000 Caucasian physicians and combine that group with the 100 African-American patients and 100 African-American physicians. So you have a group of 1,100 patients 
and a group of 1,100 physicians. Mm -hmm. And then if we were just to mix all those together, because there are 1,000 um, Caucasians in each group and only 100 African-Americans, it's much more likely that you would have a Caucasian patient matched up with a Caucasian physician uh, if we combined those patient and physician groups and then paired them up. Okay. Which is what's going to be happening <laughs> in like the hospital. You know, like yeah. it's, you can't go into, I mean, I guess you could, but you probably get kicked out and should get kicked out if you <laughs> go to an emergency room and demand, um, no, I want a provider the same race as myself. Oh, yeah. Um, so you'll, you you'll end up on staff. YouTube and social media as a uh, bigot. Um, it, it has happened before. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. Okay. I, I'm still not understanding it. So hopefully someone else understands it better than I do. Uh, let's move on to question four. So question four, the class of medications described in the passage are similar to endogenous hormones produced in what endocrine gland? And we have anterior pituitary, posterior pituitary, adrenal cortex, and adrenal medulla. Okay, I gotta know. I just have to know some facts um, <laughs> for this, and they will have some of these in psych social where I just have to know some science and some content. Yeah, uh, I I do remember. Hey, we're talking about these pain relievers, and we have opioids specifically. Um, so hopefully, you can think that hey, this is very similar to endorphins. And if you did your your prep, uh, you should kind of know just some very basic facts about different drug classes and opioids. They are going to uh, potentially, if after long use, you're going to stop making endorphins because they act very similarly. And so your body's like, no more, no more endorphins, <laughs> um, which is why the withdrawal from opioids is so terrible. And so I'm going to look for an answer that has endorphins. And with that, this is kind of a content gut check, but you do need to know some, some of these big kind of MCAT hormones. Um, but I would go with answer a, just because hey, like, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be answering the questions. Oh, here. sorry. You I gave got so it away. Give it away. Um, yeah, I would go with the answer choice a as well. So, so good. I'm glad you concur. <laughs> <laughs> I do get excited with MCAT, but so, yeah, I mean, so I, the the answer choices here: anterior pituitary, posterior pituitary, adrenal cortex, adrenal medulla. Um, so anterior pituitary, right? We have that flat pig, flat peg, uh, depending on which mnemonic you look at um, for for the anterior pituitary, right? Uh, and p the peg is is endorphins. The E in peg um, would be that, right? Mm-hmm. That is true. So that's that's just straight up um, physiology, which you don't think about being on the MCAT, but it is. <laughs> yeah, I think they usually have like like maybe like two, just a couple of questions, just kind of on um, more so on hormones. But they they will have a couple just on like brain structure. Uh, not a huge amount, but they'll get you. They'll get you on it. Yeah. For for someone who maybe doesn't remember that, potentially thinking logically through it and going, well, like 
where are opioids used? Well, they're they're used in the brain, right? To to lock into the the brain and and adjust how we're reacting to different stimuli. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily make sense for the adrenal glands to be producing this stuff because it has to be in the brain. And so the anterior pituitary, posterior pituitary, if you can potentially use that logic alone, you're down to 50-50 versus 25%. Yep. And then I'll, I just say guess and move on. If you yeah, like, if you don't know, more time isn't going to necessarily help. So Yeah. Do do you remember just just randomly what is, what does the posterior pituitary do? Um, for like I'm sure it does a lot more than this, but for MCAT, for MCAT I think yeah. like vasopressin and like <laughs> oxytocin, okay. like and that's what I think about uh, for the primary things for the the posterior pituitary. Uh, I'm sure there is a really cool acronym out there or mnemonic. <laughs> um, I don't have one yeah. <laughs> for that. All right, let's go to question five. Last question of this passage. Subjects in the study who experience withdrawal from the opioids prescribed for injury are likely to exhibit all of the following upon physical examination except. All right, so two uh, physiology questions back to back. So now we're talking about opioid withdrawal. Uh, and so what do you have with opioid withdrawal? Do you have increased perspiration, answer choice A, answer choice B, tremors, Answer choice C, increased anxiety. Answer choice D, pupillary constriction. So, uh, yeah, I hate this question. Um, <laughs> the, the pupils are always the one that that uh, get me. Um, like, I always forget, is it constriction, dilation um, with, uh, with the the opioid withdrawal and with, with alcohol and, and other things. So, um, I think you, you would get tachycardia. That makes sense. Uh, you would get, um, some sweating. That makes sense. Like you're just like anxious and tremors. The, the one thing that I think is, is off is the, the pupils. I think you get enlarged pupils and not pupil pupillary constriction. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah. And that would turn out to be the correct answer. Uh, yeah, it would be the opposite. And to be honest, I kind of, I remember I, I necessarily, I didn't know this either. I didn't like it. I don't like people. I don't like pupils. Um, I have to remember <laughs> which goes which way. Um, but I have worked with, um, in just like previous career and then volunteering people that have been experiencing with withdrawals. And so I just kind of use that outside knowledge and like a, B and C like, yeah, that kind of checks out, um, with, with what I noticed. I, I wasn't doing eye exams. So I, I didn't know which way their pupils were going, but mm -hmm. I definitely saw that perspiration tremors and anxiety. Um, and so I could, I just would kind of use that personal experience on, on this question. Cause yeah, I don't, I don't like this one either. I don't like pupils. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's potentially one random way to think about this. And I don't know if it makes sense at all, but it logically, it makes sense in my mind of like, if you're in withdrawals, like your body wants more opioids, right? You're, you're like, I need it. I want it. And so your eyes are wide looking around for opioids. Like that's, that's withdrawal. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Seems to work. 
all right. So passage one of Psych Sos in the books. Uh, very similar question to to how do you start off a passage? How do you how do you end a passage? How do you kind of wind down here and go, okay, I know this is the last question of the passage. Do you uh, do you go back through any questions that you you doubted yourself on? What are you doing before moving on here? So I actually don't look at like what uh, questions are in this passage. So I would have hit next question and then it'd be like, oh, a new passage. Oh, okay, I'm done. Um, mm. And so I kind of don't think about it. I don't stress about it as I'm doing it. But then after I would go to that next passage, I like pause, uh, like look away from my screen. I just to look up, give my eyes a break from the screen and just like big, deep breaths. Um, I kind of squeeze my, my glutes and then like release them uh, and just kind of relax. Uh, if I did have a question that I wasn't sure about, maybe go back to it. But honestly, personally, I, I like to go back to questions at the very end of the section. Okay. Um, I use that flag function. So if there was one that I wasn't really sure about, um, I would have flagged it. And then at the very end, just review flagged. Uh, because I don't want to spend maybe 15 minutes on passage one uh, when I've just, it's just taken my time and, and taking it away from maybe passage uh, five or something down the line. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's key to point out so that students know you're not restricted from going anywhere inside of a section. It's just section to section. You can't go back. Yeah. They won't let you do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there might be an answer in one section. You're like, that was the answer for that other one. Let me, let me go back. Uh, sorry, can't can't go back. But yeah, you can go, if you're on passage 10 and you want to go back to passage one within the same section, you can, you can do all of that. All right, there you have it. Again, Paul from Blueprint MCAT, live online instructor. Students are loving the new live online course. Not only is it accountability, and flexibility in case you need to change your schedule around or if you miss a class or you want to retake a class. Blueprint MCAT's new live online course gives you the flexibility you need to make sure that you're getting the preparation you need for your MCAT. It's not just content review, right? It's not just instructors reading slides that you can be reading on your own or listening to and fast forward on <laughs> online, but it's really the instructors helping you integrate that knowledge into the MCAT and how to take the MCAT. So go check them out, blueprintmcat.com. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next time here on the MCAT Podcast. This is MedEd Media.